going on, everybody? You're listening to Trail Tales, the podcast where I, Kyle O'Grady, a thru-hiker and peak bagger, chat with other thru-hikers and peak baggers about their experiences on the trail. This week's guest goes by the name of Kristen Gardella. She's awesome. She hiked the Appalachian Trail in 1999. We talk all about what it was like back then and kind of compare and contrast what the trail is like today. She also has hiked a number of smaller trails, including the North-South Trail in Rhode Island. That's right, Rhode Island has a freaking hiking trail, people. And we also talk quite a bit about that, kind of just uh, the general information. I ask her a bunch of basic questions and kind of learn about it because I don't live too far from Rhode Island and I kind of want to go hike that trail someday. So I think it's really good stuff. Kristen, when you hear this, thank you so, so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. I want to keep the introduction short this week. So bear with me just for another minute here. I just got to say a couple things. First of all, if you like the show, if you like what you hear and you haven't followed Trail Tales on Instagram, well then what the hell are you doing? Go follow that shit. Smash that follow button, people. (laughs) Oh God, I love that line. At Trail Tales Pod, that's the Instagram. That's also the Twitter, which I have not been using lately. I need to get back on the Twitter grind. So go follow me there as well, at Trail Tales Pod. Email, I have an email, people. You can send messages to it. You can tell me what you like about the show. You can tell me your guest suggestions. I've had a number of good people suggested to me lately, which is awesome. I would really, really appreciate that. Trailtalespod at gmail.com is the email address. Let's read a five-star review. I've been kind of slacking on this the past couple weeks. This one is from Packerfan. 252. I love reading the freaking uh, usernames on this shit. Uh, It's called Helps With Hiking, Fear of Missing Out. So glad I stumbled upon this podcast. There's a lot of good information since I can't thru-hike yet. It's nice to listen to this (laughs) to help with the fear of missing out. Sometimes Kyle's delivery is a bit rough, but it makes me laugh wondering how many beers deep he is. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, my delivery is definitely pretty rough. Um, I hate to break it to you, but I was actually zero beast bees zero beers deep for this episode unfortunately um but i'm sure that will not be the case going forward thank you so much for the five star review if anybody else wants to go leave a review and have me just totally screw it up when i read it like that feel free to do so it really helps the show you can also help the show if you tell a friend or a loved one about the show that's right go tell your best friend or your ex-girlfriend or your mother-in-law, anybody, I don't care. Go tell somebody, please. That's a huge, huge way that small podcasts like this grow. I would really, really appreciate that. Maybe share it on social media, something like that. I love to see people post the episodes on Facebook and various places. So please go do that. I would really, really appreciate it. Last thing, last thing I got to say real quick. Don't hit that skip button. We're almost through here, people. Patreon, Trail Tales has a Patreon for 5 or $10 a month. You will get a bonus episode and a blooper reel. That's right, extra content every single month, folks. This month I did the bonus episode on some of the history behind Trail Tales and why I decided to start this podcast in the first place. And I also went like very detailed into my process of how I do this show. Everything from finding guests and setting up, you know, the interviews all the way down to like literally the effects that I put on the uh, audio and stuff when I am editing the episode. So I think it came out pretty, pretty well. I do them like kind of unedited. I like to just kind of 
go through and talk for 30 or 40 minutes. And I always have a really good time with them. So if you're interested in that, and of course, interested in the bloopers, maybe please go check it out. It helps cover some of the small costs that are associated with the show. Helps to ensure that I can continue to keep making these episodes. I would really, really appreciate that. All right, let's do it. Let's get into the episode, my conversation with Kristen Gardella, Appalachian Trail class of 1999. Here we go, episode number 25 of Trail Tales. Today I am joined by Kristen Gardella. And Kristen, what is your trail name? My trail name is Crispina. Crispina. Crispina, like Christina, except with a P. <laughs> That's a good one. And uh, I can explain it if you like. Yeah, yeah, story. let's hear it. Let's hear it. I don't I don't get into the trail names enough on these episodes. So yeah, let's okay. hear it. So I used to, once upon a time, uh, I used to do a lot of archaeological field work. And I lived for many years down in Central America and South America. And I, so I did a lot of hiking and camping and, and all kinds of things down there. And I was working one year in Belize and I had a crew of workmen and we would go out every day and we'd be surveying through the jungle. And we, so we'd be cutting these long trails through the jungle and walking together. And at lunch, we would entertain ourselves by doing all kinds of different things, telling stories, you know, um, doing, we always did like little skits and stuff. It was really strange. And <laughs> so one day I was dancing with one of these Belizean guys up on top of a fallen tree. And I have no idea why anymore. It was so long ago. Um, and we're both dancing back and forth and I'm a terrible dancer and I lost my footing and I fell off the side of the tree and I fell into a patch of the spines that Ooh. were on this super spiny tree. So they call them espinas in Spanish. Okay. And I was completely covered in them like a like if I got hit by a porcupine or something. <laughs> and so uh, everyone just started making fun of me for having all these spines stuck in me. It was awful. I was crying. I was miserable. <laughs> They're all laughing at me. And so they kind of took my name, Kristen, which nobody could say. And they all called me Christina. And they molded that together with espinas. So I became Crispina. And no one referred to me by my regular name for years oh, after no. that. And so since I felt like since I got that name in the woods on the trail that I would take that with me. Just, yeah, just I bring it over. Started doing, yeah. Yeah. So that's stuck now for 20 plus years. That's awesome. That's awesome. I feel like I don't know if I've I, I, I probably have maybe like once or twice, but I usually don't ask my guests like how they got their trail name or like like what it even is like a lot i meant to ask uh, my last guest sarah williams what her trail name was and i like totally forgot so i'm glad we cut that in there <laughs> so how did you get yours originally oh man oh man so honestly i don't even know if i've i've told this story i i might have told it before um i was 16 actually my my patreon supporters have heard this story before i was 16 and i was um, on my first backpacking trip ever, I was trying to hike the long trail as, like I said, a 16 year old who's never hiked before or never backpacked before anyways, and had absolutely no idea what he was doing way in over his head. And my feet were just like totally torn up by like my second day. Um, I was, I was, <laughs> I was literally hiking in dress socks. Like that's how ridiculous <laughs> this shit was. And, um, I got to a shelter, Kid Gore shelter, on the long trail slash AT, and 
I pretty much decided, I was with a buddy too, and we pretty much decided we were going to bail that next day. But these guys that were at the shelter were kind of like helping me out with like my feet. And, um, you know, they were just like kind of like teaching me how to like pop my blisters. And like I think they had some first aid stuff too to kind of help with that. And, um, you know, they were just kind of like stereotypical like hippies, I guess, like super nice guys. But they were just kind of like when they saw my feet, they were like, dude, those are some gnarly blisters, man. Your trail name should be Narnar. And I was like so young and, you know, my first trip ever, I thought that was like the coolest trail name ever, like in the world. I was like, that is like the best trail name I've ever heard. Like, obviously, like I am Narnar now. And I just kind of stuck with it. Like since then, I, I, I kind of wish I had, I had gotten a new one at some point, to be honest. But I've just signed way too many logbooks and shelters at this point to change it. So I am yeah, forever Narnar. <laughs> I know someone who changed theirs after a really long time and it was just too weird. Nobody, nobody will refer to them that way anymore. And they keep trying to force it, but it's just not working. Yeah. I feel like it, like it's the kind of thing once you take it, like you look at like officially take it, like you've signed like a number of books, like a, a log books. A, a lot of people like refer to you as it's like, it's, it's your name. Like you can try all you want to change it, but it's not going to work people. It's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Moving on from the whole trail name thing, that was great. Um, so Kristen has done a bunch of through hikes, like a bunch of really cool stuff. She hiked the AT in 1999. I was what, like three years old when that happened? Four years old or something crazy? Feeling good now. Feeling good about myself. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I just think that's so nuts. And we're we're gonna talk a lot about um, you know, like the differences between like the whole trail culture and through hiking back then and now, because I'm very curious about that. She's also done a bunch of smaller trails, two of which we're going to talk about today, maybe three, most likely two. Um, those are the North South Trail in Rhode Island and the Mid-State Trail in Massachusetts. Now, I'm guessing that a lot of people listening to this haven't really heard of those two trails, especially the North South Trail. Um, I have like vaguely heard of them and watched a couple of YouTube videos on them, but that's about it. I really don't know much. So this is going to kind of be like a Kyle learns and asks questions about like these like trails he might potential hike kind of episode. And, and hopefully the listeners, you guys can learn a little bit about them too. And if you're in the New England area, then maybe you can go through hike them yourself. But we're going to start off by just kind of like learning a little bit, Kristen, about how you got into like backpacking and through hiking in the first place. So, I mean, I pretty much just said it there. Yeah. How did you learn about long distance <laughs> backpacking? So um, I can't really remember a time when I didn't know that people did stuff like this. Really? And it's really because of my father. My father was a huge influence on me when I was a kid. So I grew up in Eastern Connecticut and Right outside our back door was the largest, one of the large, I think it's still the largest state forest in Connecticut, the Patchogue okay. State Forest. And there are a ton of shorter long trails out there. Um, there's one that's 28 miles, 16 miles. There's a, there's a lot of trails. So I always would be out on those every day. My parents would just kick me out of the house <laughs> in the morning and then I would come home at night and I would just go out into the woods. And, you know, that was the 80s, I guess people didn't care as much. I don't know, but that, they didn't really rein me in at all. So that's all I did was roam around in the woods all day. And then every summer we would, this classic New England stuff, we would go up to the White Mountains. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we would, every single year, um, we would climb Mount Washington together. And 
even when I was a very small kid, like my dad was determined we were going to do this. And so my brother and I would go up there with him and I definitely loved it way more than my brother did. I remember it was just like a death march for my brother every time. Oh, um, yeah. And we would, we would load up the backpack with snacks and he would eat them all before we even got to the top. So we had nothing to come back down with. <laughs> um, and, you know, we had all the classic experiences. Like we were up there in August and it was snowing and all the, you know, the good Mount Washington lore. But we would see the through hikers up there because we would always go up the Amanusik Trail and then come down the Jewel Trail. So you cross uh, over near, you know, you have to go near the train tracks mm -hmm. and you're going right by where AT through hikers are going. And of course, we were up in the summit building. And so I would see people with these enormous packs. And I remember asking my dad what they were doing. And he told me and I was I was just a kid and I couldn't even really conceive of that distance, but it just sounded huge and amazing. And I said to my brother, we have to do that. And clearly he had no interest in doing that. <laughs> so I just started kind of reading everything I could. Um, it was it was a very different time. We didn't have YouTube. I didn't have blogs to read. I had to actually go check books out of the library and um and do as much research as I could. And so I, I was just in love with the idea. And then when I graduated from college, I told my dad, well, I'm going to go do this. And he said, no, no, you're not going to go by yourself and do that. And I said, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. And he retired and said, okay, well, I'm going to go with you. Nice. So that was my, my first <laughs> like really long through hike was, was the AT. I had at that point done a bunch of those smaller trails near my house, um, by myself just in one day or two day hikes. Right. Um, but AT ended up being the first real big one. <laughs> were you, were you, uh, like happy or kind of bummed out when your dad said that he was going to go with you? You know, it, I, I have to say probably a little bit of both. Cause yeah. part of me was just like, yeah, I'm going to do this by myself. It's awesome. I'm going to be so independent. I had, I had already done some traveling and, um, I'd been, uh, to several different countries at that point and I, I knew he knew I could handle myself, but I was a little disappointed cause I kind of wanted to have that independent experience. But then it was also, I thought it was pretty rad cause like I get to spend this whole time with my dad Yeah, and, definitely. and my dad is really amazing. Like he's still, he's, what is he? He's 83 now and 82 now. And he still every morning gets up and hikes like five or six miles in the, oh, nice. in the woods. And so he was incredibly athletic. So, you know, it was, it was just natural that he'd want to do it too. So I think it was, it was a great, it was a little bit of both. You're right. It was kind of bittersweet. It was like, oh, I want to do this by myself, but you know, my dad's pretty cool. So. <laughs> well, that's, that's, uh, it sounds like you had a pretty good attitude about it. So that's good. That's yes, good. Yes. Um, I, I was going to save this topic for the end, but honestly, we're already talking about it. So why don't we sure. just talk about some of like the, uh, the similarities and differences between like through hiking then versus through hiking now. So I guess my first question about that is, have you like been back to the AT or like done any sections on the AT like since your through hike in 1999? Yeah, I've done some, some short pieces of it. Uh, I lived in Philly for 12 years. So I actually went back out and did some parts in Pennsylvania, which, you know, everybody hates Pennsylvania. So why would I do that? But um, I did, I did do some trail maintenance when I lived down there. And so I did some parts of that. And then I did the the long trail in sections. So I redid that section from, you know, Massachusetts to the main junction. And then um, I've been back on 
the trail in the whites um, and in Connecticut and Massachusetts, but not Maine, not North Carolina, not like the really good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Vermont's good stuff. Whoa, <laughs> Vermont whoa, is good stuff. <laughs> I am a big fan of Vermont and the long trail is probably one of my favorite trails ever. So I can, I can talk about long, long trail Vermont and how much I love it too. I'm right there with you. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I, I was, I was just giving you shit there. <laughs> um, so, okay. So like the, the obvious thing that kind of popped into my head when like thinking about like oh what would have the trail been like in 1999 is like the difference in gear obviously like there's been this explosion of like ultra light gear and and all this stuff and honestly i i started hiking like around the time that i feel like it the ultralight things started to become like a little bit more like mainstream and common so i i had some some pretty shitty gear on like my first couple hikes like i said at the beginning of the episode when i was telling my trail name story there but like for most of my hikes i've pretty much always had like the whole like ultralight like or i i think it's ultralight anyway some crazy like five pound base weight person might disagree but like my my 11 12 13 ish pound base weight is like i i think that's pretty ultra light at least for me anyway i have a frameless pack and all that stuff so all right i'm i'm going off track here so all right so gear, <laughs> <laughs> so gear like the difference in gear like i i don't even know like i guess what like do you carry now and like how has that changed since you through hiked in 1999 oh yeah yeah so um just as a starting point my pack in 1999 I thought it was amazing. It was like top of the line. I had a job at um, Easter Mountain Sports and I saved up all my money. I used my employee discount and they had this big employee discount sale every year where you could get everything. I think it was 48% off. So I ordered this pack that was uh, made by a company that doesn't exist anymore called Dana Designs. And like, <laughs> in the 90s, this was pretty hot shit. Um, I got this pack that was called the Terraplane. And it carried weight really well. It was very comfortable, but it weighed seven and a half, I think around seven pounds. Oh, empty. wow. And today I am, I am a victim of trying to be ultralight myself, I guess. My base weight now I'm, is about nine pounds and a quarter, nine pounds and a half. So most of that would have been the pack. Yeah, really. So that's what, that's a huge difference for me. Um I've gone through, you know, several packs throughout the years, and I think I finally got myself down to to where I'm comfortable being. But I just can't I can't even imagine because I didn't weigh my pack when I started. Um, we uh, at the Southern Terminus, we didn't go to we went we stayed at Amicalola, but we didn't start there. We didn't do the approach trail, which okay. for shame, I should go back and do that someday. Ah. Um, but we did that forest road thing, you know, where you walk back a mile and then you go. So. So I didn't get to weigh my pack when I started the AT, but I'm I'm fairly certain it was it was pretty absurd. Um, at least for me, I only weighed like I don't know, I think I weighed like 125 pounds, and it was probably carrying like a 40 45 pound pack. Wow. Um, when I started, so it was a third of my body weight, and um, I lost a little bit of it here and there. Took some some things out, but it really kind of stayed the same. There wasn't a lot of stuff that I was carrying that I would that I shipped home were considered luxury items. So it was, it was pretty heavy. Um, the only way that I really was able to really lighten my load was just not carry as much food, which as you know, that isn't really an option. Um, you need the food. So, uh, yeah, everything was heavy. I mean, my water filter was this huge, ridiculous thing, all these tubes coming out of it. <laughs> like a pump it filter. Was, yeah. It was yeah. a pump filter and it was filled with iodine. Oh. Um, 
I think I, I consumed iodine all the way up the East Coast, which really messed me up afterwards. Like I had some some weird health problems afterwards that eventually went away. But for weeks afterwards, like I had to, I had to pee like every 10 <laughs> minutes. And I think it was all the iodine. Um, so that Jeez. was, you know, and that thing weighed so much, so much. And uh, I had, what else? I had an MSR whisper light, which I think almost everybody did. That was my stove. I yeah, still have yeah. it. It still Is works. That the, the white gas stove, right? Yeah. I've, I've seen yep. those before. Yeah. Yeah. And when when we started the AT, so we flew down to Georgia and um, we obviously couldn't take any fuel on the plane. And yeah. I know this is, you know, this is still a situation for lots of people, but there weren't as many options of places you could pick up camp fuel. And so we we get to Atlanta and then we through a series of buses and shuttles, we eventually got out there and there was nowhere at any point that we were able to stop and get any fuel except a gas station. And the only thing we could do was get actual regular <laughs> gasoline. And like, oh, what are we going to do? We don't have any food that we can't cook. Nobody talked about cold soaking back then. So we, <laughs> we had to do something. So we got gas. And I remember the first night we stayed at Hawk Mountain Shelter. I'll never forget this. And I started the stove up and these flames were just shooting out <laughs> yeah. feet up into the air and scorching everything. We're like, okay, this is not sustainable. There is no way no, we can keep no. this up. We have to get rid of this. So um, we made it to the third day when we got to what is now Mountain Crossings. It was called the Wazazi Center then um, at Neil's Gap. And yeah. we went down to these little cabins that were there and there was a guy there and he had a barrel that he was like, well, you can just put the gas in my barrel over here. Like, all right. So we dumped the gas out and then he, he had some white gas. So he oh, was able nice. To up. So thankfully, but the stove was a mess for days. It like really had to clean all that stuff out. Right. Right. Um, so, funny. I mean, yeah, this, I, I did have a titanium pot though back. even. Oh, then. there you go. <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. I know. It was pretty amazing. Um, so like, I mean, uh, I, I I guess kind of like going off of this, I I'm I'm wondering. Obviously, there weren't like very many, or I I would assume I don't really know for sure. Obviously, that there weren't really many uh, ultralight like gear options back then. So like I, I I guess is that like the only reason backpackers like weren't really as concerned with weight, or or were they even not as concerned with weight back then? Um, or did people? Yeah, I pretty much just said it there. Like, did people just not care about weight as much, or I yeah you you no, get what I'm going for. Talk, we we <laughs> still talked about it a lot. I mean, you know, especially when you first started BET, everybody, all you do is talk about gear, and you get really sick of that guy who wants to criticize all your gear and tell you you should have better stuff. Like that all still happened, um, even when you couldn't you know research all the latest hot shit on the internet. Yeah. Like you still you know, um, and you know people were doing. De- people were definitely talking about ultralight because there was, you know, the Ray way, the Ray Jardine stuff was out and people, people were making their own gear and trying, but there was, there was kind of a limit. There was only so far you could go. Right, and I definitely right. thought about it a lot. I mean, my father will still make fun of me because I would just, I would carry like one band aid. I was like, oh, I'm going to get my <laughs> first aid kit down and nothing. And, he, and then if I needed a band aid, I had to ask him. So he said the only reason that I had a lightweight pack was because he had to carry everything. Uh. Um, so I was constantly basically doing that kind of mooching off of the things that my father would carry so that I could keep a lighter pack. But, you know, we definitely all talked about it, but there, there were just, 
there were limits on on what you could do if you weren't yeah, able yeah. to make your own gear and even the materials too. Like we didn't have Dyneema, we didn't have stuff like that. So um, it was it was a lot different. Like you just naturally everything was heavier, and you know people weren't really wearing things like trail runners yet. Yeah, I, I was going to say, had, I'm, I kind of assume you're using some big old boots, oh, huh? Oh, it's terrible. We had these huge leather heavy boots and some people had kind of a softer, softer boots, but we thought you had to wear these because, you know, we always went hiking in the White Mountains and everybody wore these big mm-hmm. heavy boots there. Um, and, and you wore them for the whole, the whole through hike? Oh yeah. I mean, I, so I went through, I only went through two pairs of boots because wow. these things were so indestructible. <laughs> yeah. That's, I changed them out in, um, in Harper's Ferry. I'd broken in two pairs of boots ahead of time. And I, one, I got one of them a size bigger and I sent that to myself in Harper's Smart. Ferry and that's where I changed. Smart. Um, and those, they, they made it the rest of the way. No problem. Like you just couldn't destroy the things. But my, after we finished my feet, it took me about six months for my feet to feel normal again. And I lost all my toenails. Um, oh, yikes. Yeah. And my dad, too. My dad ended up having like, his feet just hurt him forever. So now um, he, is, he is a trail runner man now. He's like, it's the squishiest, <laughs> thickest, most ridiculous trail Good. runners you can get. Good. But, yeah, it really it really caused a lot of blisters, toenail loss, all those fun things. Oh, man, I can't I can't even imagine. Yeah, that's that's so crazy. Um, one of the other things that kind of popped into my head when I was thinking about like the whole uh, 1999 through hike thing is just like the difference, I'm assuming, in the amount of like people on the trail. So like mm-hmm. obviously like every year for like the past couple of years, there's been more and more people starting through hikes of the AT and the PCT, I believe, too. Um, you know, it's it's more popular than ever. How many hikers, I know it varies, you know, section to section, but on average, like how many other like uh, through hikers were you seeing? How many like day hikers, section hikers, like just how busy was the trail back then? So it's still, and it's, you know, it's always going to be this way. It was still obviously busier in the South because, you know, a lot of people would start and then drop. Yeah, yeah. But the completion rate was a lot lower back then because it was, you know, I, I don't want to take away from anyone's experience today and say, oh, well, we had it harder. But I, we, I feel like you definitely you know, did. Like. Well, we, we didn't have, I would say we didn't have as much um, support, like yeah. trail magic. We can talk about that in a second. Like we did not have. I was, was going to ask about that next. Actually, yeah. Yeah, the so, trail culture. yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of touch on numbers first. Like my first night at, at Hawk Mountain, like today, when I see people talking about it, they're like, oh, my God, there were 50 tents or um, I think we had like five people there. Wow. Um, and I started in mid-March, so it would be, you know, there would be a plenty of people. It was mm-hmm. kind of the, the more popular time. Um, and, you know, we would, we had some crowded shelters in the beginning and the Smokies were, were definitely crowded since they make you stay in the shelters. They right. did that then too. Um, but then I think after we got to Virginia, it really started to quiet down. And there were, there were many, many nights where it was just my dad and me, even that far south. Interesting. And we would go, as we got further north, there would be times where sometimes we'd go days without seeing another through hiker um, or anybody. So it was, it was really quiet. And I didn't, I remember thinking by the end that I felt like there weren't even, there weren't that many women left out there either. Like I would, if I saw another woman, we would just be like, Oh my God, there you are. Thank God. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> so, uh, it, it got so quiet by the end. Um, the day we summited, uh, Katahdin, my dad and I 
Um, and then there was one other guy who ended up, he was flip-flopping. We were the only people that went up that day. And it was the first, it was August 8th. So like I look today and I see people's summit videos and there's like a whole crowd of people. Up oh there. yeah. There was a ton um, of people up there when I finished. Yeah. Yeah. There was no one up there. We were lucky. We had that flip-flopper there to take our picture. Otherwise we yeah, wouldn't have had anybody. I was going to say like nobody <laughs> so, took a picture. Yeah. See, that's, that's just so incredible. Cause that is like, just not how it is anymore for, for better or for worse. You know, I'm not going to get into that whole conversation, yeah, but like, yeah. I think I'm trying to think of the, the nights that I spent at shelters on my through hike, which was probably like maybe at least half of the time, maybe slightly more than half the time. Um, cause I did do quite a bit of stealth camping. I think there were two nights that I can think of where there was nobody else besides me and like the people I was like hiking with specifically at the shelter, like maybe two times. And that was it, uh, throughout the entire trail. As far as days that I went without seeing another through hiker, that was absolutely zero. Like there was not even close, like probably the, the least amount of through hikers I ever saw on a day was maybe like four or five. Like, mm-hmm. like it's just, it's totally different now. Totally different now. Yeah. So. It, I, when I look at, so, you know, I'm, I do what everybody else does. I watch the YouTube videos and everything. And when I look at that stuff now, it, it's kind of scary to me. I don't know. Um, you know, I still do plenty of hiking. I'm on the trail all the time. I see plenty of people, but I think if I ever did the AT again, at this point, I would definitely do it. So I, I just yeah. couldn't, I could not deal with that many people or, I would be one of those people who leaves in like January yeah, um, and just deal with the weather just so I could have some time to myself. Cause I, I don't think I could handle that. Um, maybe if I were 23 again doing it, I'd want to hang out with a lot of people, but at 43, I don't. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough, know? honestly, cause it, it was a little bit different for me too, because I left in mid May. So that was like a, not a normal, like I didn't start in like the bubble. I definitely mm-hmm. was in the bubble by the time I finished, but like, so it still wasn't even that bad for me, like compared to other people, I'm sure. And honestly, I'm thinking when I, if and when I go do the PCT, I'm thinking about going southbound for the same reason, maybe. I, I don't think many people do the PCT southbound at all. Um, I mean, obviously not that many people do the AT southbound, but people still do it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's... Yeah. That's uh, that's 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 on the table. Maybe we'll see. Well, if you want to avoid people, I don't know. I don't know if we'll get time to talk about it, but you should definitely try the Coast Trail. Yes, yes. There's nobody out there. <laughs> yes, I I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess like my last question on the whole, um, uh, you know, topic that we're on right now, 1999, like, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> So what was the trail culture like back then? I know you just a second ago, you talked about the lack of trail magic and, you know, I kind of want to know about that and just like anything else related to the trail culture, you know, the hostels, the, the towns kind of accommodating hikers, the locals being aware of like the AT and the through hikers and all that stuff. What was the trail culture like back then? Yeah. So with trail magic, you know, it was, it was kind of, rare like there weren't there weren't hiker feeds i know there were a couple couple of times where people would set up i remember hearing one day that there was somebody set up who was making breakfast for people and you know all of us were like oh my god we gotta get there we gotta get there (laughs) and by the time we got to this gap there was no one there so i didn't get anything um so you know all the instances that i can remember of receiving anything like that were you know the finding a soda in the stream or something like that um or i remember in the smokies uh some guy gave me like a half-eaten box of fried chicken um, <laughs> and of course i ate it yeah um oh yeah you know there 
it was it was always really really exciting when you would find something there was uh this one guy in in virginia like near catawba named southpaw who had hiked the trail before and he had a cooler he would maintain and there were sandwiches and oranges and stuff in there and we were all talking about this like that's how exciting that stuff was like you yeah. didn't come along and have fresh ground you know making everybody awesome meals and stuff we didn't we didn't have that and uh, maybe some people further south of me did i don't know but um I feel like my dad and I, we also missed out on everything. We had the worst luck. Um, we got to the home place. It was closed. We didn't get to eat there. And I know everybody still talks about that restaurant. We didn't get to eat there. Um, we got to, when we got to Pennsylvania, we didn't get to do the half gallon challenge because the store wasn't open yet. Um, like stuff like that always happened. We kept missing stuff and we were on kind of a tight schedule because I had to get home to go to grad school. Okay. And so we couldn't just hang around for a couple of days. So we, I think we kind of rushed a little bit. I mean, we did, we did the trail in like, uh, it was about four months and three weeks, which the trail is 30 miles shorter back then, but it also didn't have as many switchbacks. It was a little rough. Um, That's pretty impressive. So honestly. It was still Jeez. pretty fast, you know, with all the heavy gear, yeah. but, uh, so it was, it, it was very different. I mean, there, I think. I don't know. A lot of the people that I knew who were out there were just kind of out there to do their thing. And it was more like, a, I'm out here on my solo mission. Right, um, right. You know, we were all still There's no really friendly. There's no trail families back then, tramways. I didn't, we didn't have a tramway. Um, I mean, there were people we hiked around for a while and then we would hike around some other people and then you would see people a thousand miles later. Oh, right, God, right. You know, but we didn't have a tramway. It was, you know, was, and that might have been kind of a function of me being there with my dad. Like my dad was my automatic tramway. Um, but I mean, there's still, there's still definitely people that I, um, sporadically keep in touch with, like, since this is 20 years, since I, we did it, a whole bunch of us are going back for trail days to oh, kind of have nice. a reunion and, and march in the parade together. Nice. So nice. I'll get to see some people I haven't seen in 20 years. So that will be pretty awesome. But, um, you know, people, I think you asked about towns, like people were still really friendly. We didn't really have an issue hitchhiking in the South. Um, a lot, it was a lot more difficult in the North, but from what I hear, it's still kind of the same. Um, I remember, I, I hate to talk, you know, to disparage any state more than others, but I remember in Tennessee, there were a couple of really negative interactions that we had with, with locals who were pretty unhappy about the trail. And oh, really? This, and I, I can't confirm this. This was just what I heard. And I, I know there's some truth to this, that there was some still negative feelings about the fact that some of the trail had gone through lands that everyone felt like they had been seized by eminent domain. So oh, there were some kind of negative feelings yeah, about that. Yeah, I could see that um, being an issue. Yeah. Yeah. There were some sections where blazes were painted out brown um, and you know, so you wouldn't know where the trail was. Oh, and wow. That's kind of sketchy. There were some fish fish hooks strung across the trail and what? fishing line. Wait, yeah. did you so did you actually like encounter that personally? No, I didn't see the fish hooks. It was another hiker told me. Oh, that, that is that's awful. Yeah. Wow. That's that's so, that's fucked up. You know, but but the majority of it I felt like people were really friendly. We had some really good experiences where people took us into their homes. Um there weren't as many hostels, but there, there definitely were hostels okay. and they were, you know, they were really welcoming. Like we never, if we needed help, if we needed to get somewhere, um, we usually didn't have a problem. Okay. It, it, it may have taken a little bit more work, but I think people were really friendly. I feel like 
people didn't know as much back then that the trail was kind of like going through their backyard or as near their house. You yeah, know, they'd be like, yeah. what are you doing out here? Whereas obviously today, I think people know what you're doing out there. Oh, yeah. So, sure. um, but, you know, very few instances where I ever felt like anyone was unfriendly. Um, I think people still were always willing to help you out because they could tell that you kind of were in need a little bit. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Okay. That, that, okay. I don't like that fish hooks thing, man. That's no, oh, no, that's I'm awful. really glad that that didn't happen to me. And I'm, you know, I, I, since I didn't experience it myself, maybe it was just a rumor. Maybe it was just somebody trying to scare people. I don't know. I hope, I hope that's all. I mean, was. I can, I can definitely see someone getting pretty pissed though about like their land kind of being taken away from them just for like mm-hmm. a stupid hiking trail or something like that, you know? So yeah. I mean, not, not that that but, justifies any sort of behavior like that no, at all. And, but I like, don't, and I don't even, honestly, I don't even know that's true. And it's really sad that I don't, cause I've been an ATC member for, you know, since like 1998, <laughs> I should uh, know that stuff, but, oh, well. um, but I don't even know if that actually is true. So I could, I could, I could see it. Maybe, maybe someone can go do some research and find out. Yes, let's let's, yes, let's hope sure. it. Let's hope it's not. But unfortunately, yes. I could see it being true. <laughs> let's um, let's talk a little bit about the North South Trail. So okay. Yes. I don't know very much. I'll, I'll tell you what I do know first of all, okay. off the top of my head, and then we'll kind of go from there. I've got a bunch of questions about it. So I know it is in Rhode Island. I know, yeah, people, you heard that right. There's a a hiking trail in Rhode Island. I know that it's, it goes like the length of the state. And I know that like the end of it is like on the beach, which is pretty cool. (laughs) It looks pretty cool anyways. Um, But that's like, that's pretty much it. So I guess let's, uh, (laughs) let's, let's, let's just start by getting a little bit more information. Like what exactly is a North south trail like how long is it like kind of that like so vibe there it is it is 70 approximately 78 miles long so it's a it's a short long distance trail but it is the longest long distance trail in north in rhode island which is a very <laughs> small state so um, yes, yes. and it does go the length of the state from uh the massachusetts border down to the ocean so you can either go you can go Nobo, you can go Sobo. I went Sobo because I figured it would be nice to end at the ocean. Yeah, really. Um, and it, uh, you can connect it with the Mid-State Trail, which we're, we'll talk about, um, and then the Wapak Trail, which goes into New Hampshire. And you can kind of put them together to make uh, a trail that's about 191 miles long. Oh, so you can okay. actually go from the ocean um, slightly into New Hampshire. Um, so it's... Um, it's not a very old trail, um, but it's very uh, it's very well maintained and it's incredibly well blazed. It okay, is not hard to follow at See, all. See, that's like, that's one of those things I feel like with some of these smaller, like lesser known trails, like the blazing and navigation could be an issue. But it sounds like they're pretty good yeah. about it, huh? No, they overblaze this trail. I mean, it's it's incredible. You will not get lost. It's just like interesting. They, you know, every I, there's one section uh, near the northern end where you have to. There's not too much elevation gain, um, but there's one section where you're going up this hill. And I remember, like, the rock directly in front of my eyes would have a blaze, and I'd look up a couple of feet, and then there's a blaze, and then there's another <laughs> blaze, and then I'm like, okay, I got it. I go to the top of the hill. So it's. It's very well taken care of and it's very easy to follow, which is good because as you've noted, there's not a lot of resources on the internet to kind of, to figure out right, right. where to go. What uh, what color are the blazes? They are kind of like an aqua blue. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And then Interesting. there's these little, there's little signs too that have um, the outline of the state of Rhode Island on it and say North South Trail too. So sometimes you see those as well. 
Okay, okay. So I haven't, I've, I've been to Rhode Island before, but not for like a long time. Certainly not in the context of like doing any sort of hiking. So what is like the, I guess just like the scenery, like, like what kind of environments are you walking through? Like what are like the highlights, I guess, kind of uh, that you're looking at while you're hiking? That's one of the cool things about this trail is you get a little bit of everything. So it starts out in the northwestern corner of the state, which is the least populated area in the state, I think. And it's so it's mostly woods up there. Um, So you're going through some some hardwood forests and uh, there. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of gypsy moth damage in Connecticut and Rhode Island um, in New England in general. But in this area, so um, a lot of the trees are a little leafless at this point. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I don't live too far from there now. And a lot of the trees near me are being cleared because they've been killed by gypsy moths. Oh, wow. That's um, nice. so there's, so the beginning is all hardwoods and then there's lots of blueberry thickets and, and there's some rolling terrain. And then as you go further South, you, you get into lower elevations. So for, for Rhode Island, just give, let me give some context for people who've never been to Rhode Island. Uh, the highest point you're ever going <laughs> to encounter is just a little bit over 800 feet. So Damn. there's not, you know, when I say that there's elevation, it's kind of just rolling hills in yeah. the northwest corner. And then you go through some small towns. There's um, you go by a lot of historic cemeteries and through some villages with some historic buildings. Okay. There's um, there's some road walking there's some farmland. There's one point where you go through a huge sod farm and you actually have to walk through the fields. Um, there's some marshes um, and some swampy areas too. And then, and then, you know, you do go through uh, kind of the coastline. There's a state park near the coastline and then you end up at the beach. So it's actually really varied, even though it's such a small state. Yeah, really. That That's, I never really thought about that too much, honestly. That's, mm-hmm. that sounds pretty cool. Um, so, one of the things that I could not find like hardly any information on uh, when I was like researching about this trail, because I, I kind of do want to do it in the near future here, um, is camping. So like, yeah. there's, I mean, I, I know there's no like established uh, like backcountry campsites, it sounds like. Are there like any campsites in the backcountry at all? Like, can you even camp in the backcountry or like, how did you handle camping? So this is a this is one of the trickiest parts of this trail. Um, so it does go through a couple of state campgrounds where you can pay for a campsite. So like actual um, like state parks, like you could yeah, bring your car yeah. in theory. So like a straight up like yes. campground. Okay. Yeah, and so you can kind of rent, a, you know, or pay for a, a campsite in those campgrounds. Um, there are some private campgrounds adjacent to the trail too, where you can pay to stay. Um, like, and uh, you say adjacent, do you mean like, like how far off the trail are they? Oh, only, a, only a short distance or right on the trail. Okay. Um, okay. one, of, one of the places you can stay is actually a nudist campground, which is right on the trail. <laughs> Interesting. Um, which I didn't stay there, but the, that was, uh, near the end of my first day, which was a 30 plus day. And so I was thinking about it. I was like, oh man, I, at this point, I don't care. I will take off all my clothes <laughs> if I have a place to lay down. Um, so, uh, so there's, you know, there's some places like that. And then there, um, there is, there's one or two shelters near the trail, but they are pay shelters that are part of state parks. I think there's one in Acadia and then there's one in the George Washington man- management area. So, 
there are places to stay. It is a little tricky. And then a lot of the trail goes through private land. So you have to be really careful if you are attempting to stealth camp. And, you know, everything that you will read about the trail says, do not do it because you're going to be on somebody's land. So you have to be really careful and really aware of where your state lands are and whether or not you're actually in in somebody's property. And that kind of just sounds like a a hassle. So I'm assuming most people probably don't do the stealth camp thing then. No, most people, I I don't think most people do it as a through hike or if they do, they try to do it very quickly. Okay. Um, Okay. Interesting. Most, most, yeah. Most of the people who I know who have done this trail have done it in only a couple of days. So I, I did it in three days and then um, I'm going back to do it again this year, and I'm going to try to do it in two days. Oh, just, wow. Just, just for fun, just to see if I can do it in two days. Oh, um, wow. That's, a, that's, but, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to go back, and um, I'm waiting for the days to get a little bit longer. And then when I've got a lot of sunlight, I'll try to to bust out a couple of really big nice. days. But, nice. uh, but so a lot of people try to do it really quickly so they can they don't have to spend as many nights out there or or you can do it in some very very short days so you can plan it out through all the different places where you can stay but i think a lot of people do it in sections okay okay but there are like it sounds like enough campgrounds like spaced out like in a way that you could like kind of through hike it and maybe more like a a four or five day kind of thing like a more like yeah i think five days is is what a lot of people try to do is around five okay Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you you have some. The good thing about it being close to civilization is, if you know you want to get an ice cream cone, you can. If yeah. you want to get a burger, you <laughs> okay, can. that's that's so, a good question. Yeah. Like, how, are <laughs> yeah. there are there like restaurants like that, like along the trail, like pretty close? to Yeah, the trail? there's um there's one part where you go you go right through the parking lot of this kind of classic New England, you know, dairy barn kind of restaurant nice. uh, called Shady Acres, and they have. They have ice cream and they have everything. So there's there's definitely plenty of places where you're not too far from food. Okay, good, good. That's yeah, that's yeah. always good to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so how many how many episodes of Trail Tales have you listened to? <sighs> um, I've listened to a good chunk of them. Have you listened to the uh, some of the earlier episodes? I'm trying to think when I started listening. I don't think I've heard the first few. Have you heard? Did you listen to episode nine with um? Uh, Tut's uh, trekking on. Yes, yes. So he, th- he is like the reason I even know about this North South Trail because he attempted to hike it like a number of years ago, and he made like a little a little film about it, and that's that's actually how I, yeah, that's how I found out about it, and most of what I know is from that. But he, I, I don't remember exactly how far he he made it. I haven't watched the video in a while, but I don't think he made it very far, and the reason being was according to him was because of the water. He said that water situation wasn't very good i i I can't remember exactly what he said but i i recall it being like the sources not being good sources and they're not really being that many of them anyway so what was the uh, water situation like for you um so for me i didn't i didn't really have any problems um i if since i was only doing you know since i was only out there three days i didn't have to worry about finding too many of them yeah Um, i I guess if you're covering a lot of of terrain in one day I did fill, I, I did though, every time I found water, I did fill both of my liter bottles. So I was pretty much always carrying two liters, which is, you know, I, my pack wasn't very heavy because I was only going to be out there a short time. So I didn't really care. So I made sure I had plenty of water, but, right, right. um, there is, so in the very Northern end, there are a few creeks that you cross and there's some ponds and, but I started out that day, I got dropped off and then I 
Um, that's one thing we should talk about is kind of accessing the northern terminus. But so I, when I got in there, I got dropped off that morning. So I had water from my house. So I started out with that. Um, and I remember when I had to fill up on my first day, I was walking. I, I had a hard time near the end of the day finding water before I was going to camp. And I remember I walked by this, there was kind of this swampy looking pond. And I said, well, this is what I got. So I climbed down off the side of the road and I'm standing in this swampy pond filtering water. And this lady drove by me and she slows down and she's giving me this really kind of angry look. <laughs> like, hey, I waved at her and she's like, what is this woman doing over here on the side <laughs> of the road standing in the swamp? And so she turns around and she comes back and she pulls over and she's like, do you need any help? Are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm fine. Fine. I'm just getting some water. And so she drove away and then she came back again. She's like, I have to know, why are you getting water? <laughs> and so I said, well, I'm, I'm hiking this trail. And she had no idea. She had lived on this trail uh, all this time. And she had no idea wow. when her house. So she was so confused at what I was doing standing in the swamp. But um, That's so funny. I think, yeah, I, I feel like I, I didn't really have any trouble um, it wasn't, I went in June, so it wasn't like incredibly hot. I think if you went in August, it would be bad. And a lot of the yeah smaller water sources may have dried up by at that point, but I didn't really have any problems in June. I, I mean, if you don't mind some swamp water, you'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> okay. So, that's, that's, that's yeah. good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. Um, so what were you saying a second ago about the, uh, accessing the Northern Terminus? So, so the Northern Terminus is on the Massachusetts border and it's kind of a little, you can't drive to it. It's, it's out in the woods. So, um, there's a couple of different ways to get to it. So that's something to think about if you're going to do it is how do you want to access that spot? Um, cause it just, it just starts there. It's kind of like, you know, where the long trail starts in Massachusetts, yeah, yeah. just on the border. It's kind of like that. Um, so there's a couple of different ways to get in. You can, come in from the east and you can park uh, in Massachusetts at this lake and you can hike on the mid, you can hike out to the mid-state trail and then take the mid-state trail south to the Rhode Island border and then you can get started. Okay. Or you can come in, uh, in Rhode Island, there's a road that goes across the state and you can get dropped off there, walk back north up the North South Trail or up a dirt road and then come back. And I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to duplicate anything. Right, right. Um, and then since I live in Connecticut, the way I came in is my husband dropped me off um, on this rail trail called the Airline Trail, which heads up towards Massachusetts. And so I hiked up this rail trail and then there's a, a trail off of that that goes to a tri-state marker that marks the border of Connecticut, Massachusetts. And oh, Rhode that's Island, pretty they cool. They come together. Yeah. So you can hike this little trail up to that tri-state marker and then I didn't know if I could do this, so I had to do a scouting trip beforehand. There is a line, uh, kind of a cleared path or trail down the Rhode Island, Massachusetts border. So I walked that in and then I was able to kind of zigzag a little bit and get onto the mid-state trail and then come down to oh, the okay. Northern Terminus and the South Trail. So that turned out to be the fastest for me. 
but it did take a little bit of a scouting trip first to make sure I could do it. Interesting, interesting. That sounds yeah. that sounds pretty cool. I, d- I didn't realize yeah. or really put any thought or research into like actually accessing the trail, so that's good mm-hmm. to know. I probably would have gotten yeah. down there and been like, okay, like wait a minute, <laughs> yeah. where the hell do I yeah. go now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good to know. That's good to know. Um, how many people? Or you don't have to give me like exact numbers because I'm, I'm sure you don't really know, or maybe you do. Um, like how many people like hike the North South Trail like roughly per year? Do you think i have no idea um how many I can people give did you, you see then so when i was out there um i saw two other hikers the whole time and they were day hikers and they were in this one state area state forest that you go through uh, and that's it so um interesting yeah nobody and i i don't it seemed like i was out there in june you would think you would see somebody else but i didn't see anybody i mean there are <laughs> t- there are two trail registers and a couple of people had signed into them. Um, I could see that a couple of other people had gone through and were trying to do through hikes. So there were a handful of people, but I, you know, I, I, if you're only a day or two behind someone, you're never going to see them because then they're going to be right, right, 78 miles. So, um, yeah, so I didn't, I didn't see any other through hikers while I was out there. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, how about, uh, like maps and guidebooks, like what's like the go-to resource or resources for people that want to hike this trail? So there is a really excellent guide that was published, but it, it was last printed in, I think like 2003. Oh, um, and I don't know. I, I know there have, I've seen on Facebook and stuff, some updates about that there will be a new one forthcoming, but I haven't, I have no idea. So it's, it, um, if you can find one, you can often find it in the, I think there's some copies in libraries and things and it's supposedly very excellent. I've never seen it. Um, <laughs> but you can, I, I looked to see if I could get a copy of it on Amazon. And when I was looking, there were some used copies and they were like over a hundred dollars. And just today, oh, just to see, cause I knew we were going to talk about this. I figured I would, would look and there are two copies for sale right now on Amazon and I, this seems fake. One of them is for sale for $859 and one is 922 <laughs> What the hell? So, yeah. <laughs> so, that is ridiculous. So I know I've heard other people use this book and they've said it's really great. If I could get it, I would, but I didn't have it. So, so um, what did you use then? So I had some maps that I downloaded that somebody had made it, had walked it and made a GPS track and then they overlaid it over some old topo maps and they posted it online. So I actually downloaded all those maps and printed them out and then I carried that with me and I followed this guy's GPS track. But like I said, it's so well blazed. You don't, you don't even really need the maps. It's obviously nice to have them. So you right. Well, I'm just thinking for on. like, like, uh, yeah, like knowing what's coming up and like the camping thing too. Like, yeah. do you know yeah. how like most people do that then or like plan that stuff out if they uh, don't have this really ridiculously priced? Used <laughs> <laughs> so there are, um, there's definitely some trip reports that people have posted online. Um, uh, there's uh, some blogs and stuff like that. So if you Google North South Trail, Rhode Island, you'll run across some other people's trip reports. And so they'll have some information up there that you can use to kind of help plan. Okay. Um, one of the good things about it is that it, it crosses, this is a good thing and a bad thing. It crosses a lot of roads. So if you can't find a place to stay, you might be able to hitchhike somewhere or, you know, find, <laughs> the, you know, someone can come bail you out. There's right. not, 
you know, there are ways to get off there if you need okay. to. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I, I, so I, I don't think we're going to have time to get to the uh, Midstate Trail, Kristen, unfortunately. <laughs> but that's okay because this just means I'm going to have you back on at some point and we're going to talk about the Midstate Trail and we're going to talk about the Kuhos. I'm not going to be able to pronounce it. That's going to be a nightmare when we get there. But no, we're going to talk about those two trails in another episode. I'm, I'm, I'm booking you right now. I hope that's okay. Okay. Um, All right. I'll come back. <laughs> Uh, I, I hope that's okay, but no. So I, I guess uh, I'm, I'm looking over my questions for the North South Trail here. Let's see. Um, I guess my last question: What was just like your favorite part of the trail? So I really enjoyed um, a lot of the surprisingly a lot of the the farms that it would go through. I got to see so many um there were a lot of different animals. I remember there was one part I was walking by this one farm and they had all these guinea hens um which is uh you know they're they're some uh, uh, it's a farm livestock poultry um and they're really loud and people use them. My husband and I have been considering getting them for our farm. Um they're really obnoxious and loud and some people use them to guard other animals. And so okay. I went down this one road and there was a farm and the dog came out and barked at me and Ooh. then it just sat there. But then the guinea hen came out and it would not let me go. It was like, <laughs> the hell out of here it was screaming at me essentially and chasing me down the road, which <laughs> I just thought was hilarious. It's this chicken type thing. Um, so you get to see all kinds of, um, all kinds of different animals and people. And since it, it goes through so many populated areas, um, there's a, a just a lot of different scenery that I hadn't seen before, you know, when you're just like green tunnel, you know, just yeah, woods, woods, yeah. woods, woods. Um, so I did talk to a lot of people who weren't hiking, which was really interesting for me. Um, because like I mentioned with that other lady, there were so many people who had no idea that this thing yeah. even existed. And, you know, they would just stop and ask me what I was doing. And we get into these great conversations. So I met a lot of people. Um there was one guy who pulled up next to me and it was the end of my first day and I, I was really tired and I think I was at like 32 miles at that point and he could tell that I, I looked exhausted and, and I had a backpack on and I think he thought he clearly thought I was homeless because he pulled <laughs> right up next to me and he first question he asked me was do you have a home and I said yeah yeah I got a home he's like are you are you sure I said no I, I'm I have a home. It's it's not right here, but I do have one. And then he, you know, he's like, "Are you are you married?" I said, "It's not really relevant, but yes, I am married. You know, my my husband's the one who dropped me off." Um, and so Jeez. he was so concerned about me, and like had to talk to me for a while and explained what I was doing. He had no idea that this was there, and then he got all really excited about it. He was like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out. I'm really interested." So it was kind of cool to be a little bit of an ambassador for this trail yeah, that it really. was really essentially my first time being on it too but I was telling all these people about it and they were getting really excited about it so that was probably one of my favorite parts about it and then also obviously ending at the beach is really great yeah that must be you, sick your feet hurt you know you walk right into the ocean and that was amazing um there were so many neat historical things too I, I went through an old abandoned ski resort you don't even think Rhode Island would have Rhode, ski, wait, but they yeah what? yeah Wow. That's that's cool. Yeah. Any hill, you know, New Englanders will ski down it. So there was a, (laughs) an old ski resort and there are all kinds of cemeteries everywhere. So there's just, it's, 
it's really interesting. There's a, I know a lot of people get down on this trail because there's a lot of road walking, but in, in many ways that opens it up that you can explore all these different areas and see all of these interesting kind of cultural features that you might not on a real wilderness trail. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like I just learned a bunch about that there. Uh, it's definitely on my radar. The Mid-State Trail is as well. And uh, we'll talk about that next time. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm usually not quite as strict about like cutting the time, but um, I am going to be traveling this weekend and all next week. So I have to do all the editing for this episode and like pre-publish it all tomorrow night so i just i want to like try to cap it at around an hour but we still have a few minutes here to get to the best part of the show which is story time so Kristen, you've done so many hikes you've done a lot of miles so i'm sure you've got plenty of stories but if you had to pick one to share right now at the end of the episode what would it be so i i was gonna tell story from the coas trail uh which which happened to me last year. Um, so, so just I, very briefly, very briefly, what what is the Coas? So oh, the Coas Trail. I, I can't pronounce it. Coas Trail. <laughs> the Coas Trail is a trail that goes through northern New Hampshire. So the section that most people don't hike in. Um, it goes from the Canadian border down to Crawford Notch okay. in the Whites. So it's that kind of lost area of New Hampshire. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and uh, we should definitely talk about that sometime. I would love super, to learn all about super it. Super special. Yeah. Um, so I had been out there for a while and I was camping near a, um, there's so many ponds out there. And so there's, you will run into tons of wildlife. I saw a moose probably within like 30 minutes of being on the trail. <laughs> nice. So, um, so there was one night I was near this, this, uh, this one pond. I can't remember what it was called, but, um, it was, I was, uh, I was all alone. I hadn't really seen that many people, um, at all. And there was nobody else camped anywhere near me and I was asleep and, and I got woken up by all of this ridiculous splashing. And there were these loons, um, there's a ton of loons in, on this trail and there's these loons, which for people who aren't from the North, if you're listening, there are these beautiful birds and they make these very kind of creepy noises. You've probably heard it in a movie. Um, <laughs> And the balloons were kind of playing and splashing around, making this huge amount of noise and just crashing and splashing. Like, oh my God, what are they doing? They must be fighting. And it was this horrible loon noises and splashing and splashing. And so finally they calmed down and I went back to sleep. And then I'm woken again by this much larger splashing, just sploosh, sploosh, sploosh. And I <laughs> go over and then I look and I can see there's some moose over there. And so it was kind of scary because, you know, they're really big. Oh, yeah. So oh, I yeah. tried to get further away and I could hear this just insane smashing and crashing in the water. And I'm like, whatever they're doing, I do not want to be near this because it, it's, <laughs> I don't know if they're fighting. I don't know what is going on. This is awful. It would, and they kept me awake for hours. I couldn't fall asleep. They were so loud. And finally, you know, I got so tired, I drifted off to sleep. And in the morning, I went back down there to this pond to look. And there was this very small little kind of, it was like a raft that kids would build okay. that they would float out in the middle of the pond that they could dive off of and stuff. And so it's just floating there. And I realized these moose had been trying to jump on this thing essentially <laughs> all night long. And like, were, they were playing and oh, so I couldn't so see funny. it, which is unfortunate because it was so dark, but that's, I, I guess that's what was going on is these awesome, these moose were just playing together and enjoying themselves <laughs> all night splashing on this raft and 
it was just at that point an experience that had been kind of scary turned into something that was really kind of sweet. And yeah, um, definitely. You know, I just I really loved how much wildlife I got to see on that trail. And that was really kind of like the capping experience. It was so cool. <laughs> that's that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really want to get up there. That's another trail that's kind of been on my radar. Actually, for like a hot second, like a couple of years ago, a buddy, my friend Dan and I like thought about like doing it, but I don't remember what I think we ended up going to like Montana or instead or doing something mm-hmm. else. But I that's that's definitely on my radar as well. And I definitely want to have another conversation about that so I can learn a lot about it because I have a bunch of questions about that trail as well. So yeah, um, I would I would I would love to come back. I've got a lot of like weird little trails planned for this summer. So maybe come back later in the year. We can talk about some of those. Absolutely. Um, With that said, I think we're going to kind of wrap it up. Kristen, thank you so, so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Um, Do you, do you want to share your uh, social media, Instagram or anything like that? So I do Facebook. I don't really check it that much. My Instagram is Mrs. Von Jazz Hands, um, which <laughs> probably put in the show notes or something. Yes, I will. But yeah, if you want to find me, it's Mrs. Von Jazz Hands. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. That's <laughs> that's great. That's great. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's going to do it. Go Bruins. About to go watch some <laughs> hockey. That's that's not nice. the reason I'm cutting a chore. I promise. I do have to yeah, get this yeah, done yeah. tomorrow, but. Maybe maybe that has something. I also have to pack too. I'm like a bunch of shit going on. Yeah, <laughs> so, I got a, I got a whole bunch of gear on my floor too because I'm doing a trip this weekend. Oh too, man, so. you should you should see my room right now. It's a freaking mess. <laughs> Kristen, <laughs> thank you so so much. Everybody listening, Absolutely. thank you all so so much. Have a good one. Bye.